Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Gabriel Hamill of Hamill Investments. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Gabriel is a real estate investor whose passion for real estate business and financial freedom has helped him amass a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio consisting of single-family homes, multi-family apartments, and our favorite, mobile home parks. Currently, he owns four mobile home parks and has three under contract right now. Gabriel, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. Excited to, to learn about your journey. Uh, maybe you can start there and tell us how you got into manufactured housing. Yeah, you know, manufactured housing. I was, I was buying smaller multifamily type properties. Uh, I bought uh, most, the majority of my portfolio with seller financing, and I really wanted to move into uh, apartments. And the more apartments I looked at, I felt like it was a very crowded space. A lot of people were jumping in there. felt like the cap rates were being condensed down to nothing, and I wanted more of a return. And so uh, kind of gravitated towards the mobile home park space. I, I bought a park. Um, I had a property manager that was managing a, a small apartment for me in, in town. She had no mobile home park experience. I put her on this park, and she did a phenomenal job. Uh, kind of all the, the things that I wanted out of a park this park fit, you know, the, the park was poorly managed, under rented, had some deferred maintenance, kind of had all the things that I had looked for in smaller multifamily stuff. And that was kind of my proof of concept and really just fell in love with the mobile home park space after that. That's fantastic. That, and that's a rare story, I would say, because most third-party managers that come from single family rentals and, and multifamily, they have a tough time coming over to mobile home parks because it's definitely a, a different animal. Uh, maybe you can shed some more light on that and how that management, you know, how big of a park was that? Does she still manage your, your four parks that you have now that you've expanded? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And I wasn't sure how management was going to look. So there, when I bought that first park, there was an onsite manager that essentially got free rent, but didn't, didn't do anything. Um, in fact, all the parks that I have bought and has had onsite managers that really didn't do a lot and in some ways probably scared some potential tenors, tenants off. Um, so I didn't know with, you know, with this property manager, she was managing a 21 unit apartment building for me in that town about an hour South of me. Um, and I said, Hey, do you have any interest in managing a park? And, you know, I got very fortunate, um, that she, you know, she grew up in that area. She actually had a nephew that lived in my park. It's uh, it was a 43 unit park. Uh, the two parks that I bought, uh, after that were 30, one was 30 minutes South, one was 30 minutes North of that. And so, I really just leveraged, and, and she actually found me one of those parks. I really just leveraged her um, her ability mm -hmm. to to manage three out of four of the parks, and she's she's been phenomenal. I mean, what everything you know, she's learned a lot, but she's really more than anything is she's good with people. She she understands the tenant base, and uh, you know, she's a she's a kind, thoughtful person that can also be tough when she needs to be. And so, uh, just more than anything, she knows how to deal with people well. That is, uh, you know, from my experience, it's rare. That's a rare find, you know. Uh, so congrats on that, man. That's that's wonderful. And 
Uh, I was lucky enough and my first on-site manager, when I bought my first community, she still works with us to this day. And she uh, kind of spoiled me into thinking that, man, mobile home parks, this is, this is easy. What do you mean? This is, this is so much different. So uh, they're not all like that, unfortunately, but uh, we're really happy with, uh, with our team now, but you know, it's, it's tough to kind of keep everybody, uh, you know, up to date on what's going on. So maybe you could shed some more light on your management and how you manage that. Does she, you know, is it her company that manages your, your current four parks? Uh, you know, or is there yeah. like, do you manage some of it in-house? Yeah, so she works for a property management company. All, all the properties I own are managed by third-party property management. I don't, I don't own a property management company. I don't have employees. I've kind of set everything up that way. So even before I got into the mobile home park space, uh, once I hit that 17-unit mark, you know, this was years ago, I was, I was kind of doing everything. Um, and it was, you know, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm fixing a toilet and had to call a plumber anyway because I wasn't that handy. I had turned everything over to property management back when I had just those 17 units. And what it allowed me to do was focus on what I was better at and what I enjoyed doing. That was putting, putting deals together. So I'm in direct communication with my property manager. Um, she manages three of the four parks. So when I bought my fourth park, that's a, a, in a different direction. It's an hour and a half Northeast of me. I had to go on a hunt for a new manager. And again, I ended up with a, a residential property manager that had some apartment experience, but I, I vetted and called a lot of managers um, and this has also turned out to be uh, a good fit so far. And, you know, it's, it, it's a learning curve, but he understood. And with my experience with his other manager, I was able to kind of explain what I needed, what I was looking for. Uh, he understood. And again, it's been, it's been phenomenal, but it's all third-party property management right now. Wow. Gabriel, that I, w- I will say, you know, you, there's been a couple of operators we've had on the show that have used third-party managers and, you know, it's, it's rare to find property management companies that transfer over. So, Kudos to you for interviewing and, and finding the right one. What would you say has been the toughest hurdle for you uh, in mobile home park ownership? Yeah, I mean, specifically to mobile home park ownership, you know, there was a lot that I just, I, I didn't know going in. That's, that's fine. It didn't, didn't scare me. But I think the biggest hurdle really is, you know, I think initially it'd be, yes, finding a, finding a property manager, but I got fortunate, fortunate with that. Um, but also just changing the culture of a park. It can, it can be tricky. So like the most recent park I bought, um, it wasn't managed well previously. So there's dog shit everywhere. There's garbage everywhere, you know, and the tenants had just kind of accepted that for the most part. And so I think, you know, having the manager come in and make those changes can be, can be challenging if the, if the tenant base is kind of used to it being a certain way, but I've also found, you know, with any challenge in life, I feel like it's an opportunity. And so with this last park, um, yeah, it was pretty rough, but the tenants really appreciated someone coming in there and, you know, putting a, a, a small fence around a dog, uh, kind of a dog park area and putting um, poop bags up and kind of changing the way the garbage was collected. Just kind of these minor changes, um, even though they can be challenges overall, it will it'll uh, improve the park and tenants seem to respond well. So Great. Gabriel, maybe you could tell us, you know, what are some of the things you did to educate yourself before buying your first park? Not, not a whole lot. I mean, I did, you know, like I, I, I just kind of naturally gravitated towards that space. And I shouldn't say not a lot because I had a, you know, years of experience in the, in the multifamily uh, space. Um, I felt like they operated very similar in, in a lot of ways, you know? And, and so it's the aspect that I liked really about the mobile home park space is for the most part, I don't own the homes. You know, I, I do end up with, with some of them, but for the most part, I don't. And so that's something I really, I really enjoyed that there's not a lot of, 
you know, maintenance and repair car calls on the, on the homes themselves. And so even though it can be kind of, you know, front heavy with the, with initially buying the park and, and analyzing and kind of getting the park up to par once, once it's running smoothly, it seems to, to run pretty smooth and actually be less headache for, for my managers. Great. Yeah. What do you, you know, what do you look at in terms of utility infrastructure and in, in maybe you could tell us about the utilities in your current portfolio? Yeah, I like, um, you know, my first park, I, I also got fortunate. It was all city utilities, you know, one big advantage, a big value add there too. Part of it was building back utilities. Um, mm-hmm. The other part was just the, the property been grossly under rented. Right. And so this is something I, I liked a lot about the mobile home park space, a small, a small increase in rent, a, a utility bill back improved the NOI of the property greatly without me having to expend a bunch of capital. Um, and I thought, gosh, unlike an apartment where I have to go in and maybe rehab 43 units, my property manager sent out a notice to build that utility, <laughs> sent out a notice for a small rent increase. It's still below market, right? And, and no tenants moved because of it. Um, so that's city utilities. Um, my second park was a well. I knew nothing about wells. So, uh, you know, I, I had to review the reports, get, get it testing. It was great water. The next part was city utilities. And then the third park had a septic system. I knew nothing about, I mean, the sept- I like city utilities, but the well has been fine and the septic, you know, I, I literally knew nothing. And so I just had to talk to people that, that knew about it and just ask the questions. And with this particular park, it was, they were using a lot of water and a lot of it was, uh, you know, kids were home from school because COVID, some of these homes were multi-generational mm. families living there. Um, so we just kind of had to get that, some of that stuff under control. Um, I just didn't know what I didn't know until, until I learned enough to. You're brave, man. I'll, I'll give you that diving in head first. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely, you know, take some courage, uh, especially with the private utilities. Cause I've just heard horror stories about, you know, uh, just not doing the proper due diligence and stuff falling through. So that's, that's good that you, uh, you know, got your, got your arms around it and understood the risks. And, and, maybe, you have- you know, and, I, and I haven't owned that one long enough. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'll change my mind if you ask me a year from now, but that, you know, that being said, I've, I've never bought a property. I regret buying and I could probably have found a reason to not buy any property I've ever bought. So it's, uh, sure. you know, I kind of keep that in the back of my mind. Yes. I, I don't try to, you know, buy stupid deals and, and I do try to make educated decisions, but I do think again, there's, there are solutions to problems. And if you, you know, on these parks, I'm buying them, uh, you know, where, where they're cash flow positive. Yes, there's upside, but I'm not relying on that upside. So it's, you know, that's kind of how I hedge, kind of hedge my risk there is, you know, sure. if something goes wrong, things are going to go wrong. It's real estate, things happen. Um, kind of giving myself a little bit of that safety net of, you know, whether it's having reserves or capital or just knowing that things are going to come up. Yeah. Yeah. One of my mentors told me once, he's like, everything makes sense at a certain price, right? You know, if you get it, if you get it at a good enough price and the market is good, you know, everything is, is worth it. So uh, yeah, that's awesome that yours are performing well. Uh, How do you find your deals when you're, you know, looking to, to grow? I mean, you have what three under contract right now. Uh, It looks like you're looking to grow pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. So every deal, mobile home park or otherwise, I, I can trace every deal back to a conversation or relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think I've mentioned that when we were offline talking a while back, but, you know, I, I've never done any kind of marketing, advertising, any kind of, you know, mass uh, mailers. And I, I think there's a lot of ways to be successful in real estate. There's a lot of ways to, you know, to find, to find deals um, and, and market yourself. But for me, it's just been building genuine relationships and, and talking with people. So, um, you know, the, and that's not just in the mobile home park space. It's, 
the first the first park I bought was uh, a broker that was just sending me stuff, um, all of A class stuff in, in Portland, Oregon. The, you know, very expensive, very low cap stuff. And I said, hey, I'm really looking for you know something that cash flows. And what I'm really looking for is a value add mobile home park. And I just kept telling them that as they kept sending me stuff that wasn't that. Um, but when they got an in house listing of a mobile home park, because I had told them enough times, hey, what I'm really looking for is this. You know, they they knew to call me, and I had looked at analyzed enough uh, of them online that. I felt very comfortable when they presented me with, with the numbers. I felt very comfortable reading through that and going, okay, hey, here's an, here's an actual opportunity. Um, and so that's how I bought my first one. My second one, a little more interesting of a story because my second one, uh, I share a lot uh, this story because I think it illustrates the importance of building a relationship, but also uh, seller financing, which is how I've purchased the majority of my, my real estate. This was a guy who I'd reached out to 10 years before. He was a developer in town. I was, had no idea, like mobile home park front on my radar. I was just getting started. Um, but he was a developer. He's building these amazing buildings down, uh, down on campus where I live. And I'm going, who's this guy? What's the story? Um, I just want to know who this guy is. Cause he was building all these things that didn't exist before kind of tearing down these small multifamily and building these big apartments. Um, and I reached out to him and he graciously, you know, invited me in and kind of told me a story. Hey, I was buying these multifamily homes in the seventies. Uh, when I was going to law school. And then by 2010, there was an opportunity to develop and I became uh, a developer. And we stayed in contact. And it's, it's not like we became best friends. We just kind of kept in touch with what each other were doing. And almost a decade later, he called and said, hey, a buddy of mine is selling a, a single family home in the town over. Are you interested? And I said, you know, I'm really not. What I'm really looking for and really focused on right now is mobile home parks. And he said, I own five of them. And he said, one of them I, I would you know, consider selling. And I said, oh my gosh, that's, that's great. Would you sell or finance it? And he said, yeah, I would. And that ended up being a, a 2% down deal. It was a 200% cash on cash return. Wow. Uh, you know, so the, the financing was phenomenal and finding that deal was a very natural kind of flow of just that relationship. But it's also why the terms were great. That wasn't his focus. His focus wasn't the mobile home park space. It was developing. And so even as, uh, you know, the seller being a sophisticated investor, it was still an opportunity for him to sell and for me to buy. And so uh, again, I mean, every deal I can trace back to relationship, third property was my property manager uh, brought it to me. That's super cool, man. Let me, let me ask you this. What are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking limited partners here. What do they need to look out for before investing into a mobile home park deal for the first time? Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if I'm the best answer only because I've, I've never raised capital. I've never brought in, I've never brought in uh, a partner and I've never put money into another person's deal. I mean, I think the biggest thing though, just, just from, from what I've seen is like, just, just knowing the operator and, and their mm-hmm. track record, you know, I'm not against doing that. I think there's a lot of ways uh, to invest, but being able to know and like and trust and have that open communication with, with the operator or someone on their team uh, you know, is important. The, the three parks that I'm in contract on now, I, I'm going to have two partners on those. And part of that, again, going back to that relationship and conversation, two guys that are, are partners and friends of mine, uh, they're partners with each other on some single family stuff. They had a mobile home park opportunity. They said, Hey, Gabe's in the, you know, in the mobile home park world, let's bring him in. And so, um, that'll kind of be a new experience for me having, you know, having partnered and kind of figuring out what our, what our role in that is. But again, it's an off market. It's an off market deal. I know and like, and trust those guys and they know I like, can trust me. Um, and there's different aspects that we bring to the table. One of those being, they brought me, they brought me the deal, you know, through a sure. there. And so um, that's a lot of it. Like, you know, just knowing the operator and, and 
a proven track record, I think. Totally. And that's what a lot of people have said, you know, when I've asked them that question is, Hey, know the operator. Do you believe in their, you know, their model? Uh, you know, I think that's where a lot of the, uh, a lot of the risk lies, right. Is in the, in the jockey. So, uh, Tell me, Gabriel, what is your acquisition criteria when you're looking at a mobile home park deal and why? Yeah, a lot of it, you know, I, I like that value. I like the value add. I like the parks that are poorly managed and under rented. They have some kind of value add, but they're not relying on that. And so, um, you know, that that first park I bought and I, and I really try to look at every property very individualized. Like, how am I going to finance this? What is this property kicking off? Like, what is it that I want this property to do, do for me? Uh, you know, I know some people are very systematic, but like it has to meet this rule, this criteria. I take a little more of a holistic approach of, um, you know, I'm going to look at it, but I, I, right now I won't really look at anything below 30 units. Um, I like city utilities, but it's not a requirement. Um, but I like a park that's operating that, that works the way it sits, but that still has an upside of poorly managed under rented. And a lot of that's going to come down to how I finance the property. Is this thing, uh, you know, if I did nothing today, when I close on this, is it going to produce income? Am I happy with the return? If I'm putting money down, am I happy with the cash on cash return I'm getting? You know, and that's, that's sure. kind of how I look at it. Totally. Uh, what mistakes have you made, you know, when you were just starting out that, you know, maybe you would have done differently looking back? Not sewer scoping. <laughs> I uh, the first park I bought, I didn't scope the sewer. You know, it sounds, it sounds uh, minor, but I've had some, no major issues there, you know, like I knew it was old, um, but I've had to have some of that rebuilt, not costlier than what I was anticipating, um, you know, but still, I'd still buy that part. What's again. it made of? What are the sewer lines made of? Oh my gosh. It's uh, whatever that paper it's, it's mixed. It's like some of that, but it's, I mean, they, oh, they, they dug it up, they dug it up and it's been kind of mismatched and all like, basically I wanted to, um, I wanted to pave the park and we had some sewer issues. I'm like, I can't pave this until kind of get figure those out yeah yeah um thankfully the the neighboring unit of that park has an excavation uh and gravel nice. company and so and and he he knows that park and so mm. uh yeah i mean he's kind of dug it up it's all pieced together um i don't know if it would have really made a difference like i still would have bought the park um there were just some things that needed to get taken care of that i would have liked to have known up front and probably taken care of them uh prior than sewer issues literally coming up through the ground Yep, I that sounds familiar. I've I've dealt with those issues as well, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah uh, so like, like these three parks in, in uh, San Antonio that I'm in contract on. You know, the other guys are like, "Hey, what are some things? You know, what are some due diligence items?" And I'm like, "Let's get the sewer scoped." You know, it's just a, it's a no brainer now. Definitely, yeah. Learning, uh, you know, one of the things I made a mistake on in my third park that I bought is I didn't meet with the city or the uh, power company engineer. I met with the electrical contractor, had him come out, you know, do a whole report on all the pedestals and all the park owned electrical. Um, but I didn't meet with the, the power company engineer and uh, the park was only 75% occupied when we bought it. You know, we planned on filling it up. So when we filled it up, we realized that the juice, you know, there was enough pedestals there, but there wasn't enough juice getting to each of those pedestals because there wasn't enough transformers. And, you know, some power companies provide the transformers up to the pedestal, but some don't. And this one did not. So we were like three transformers short, uh, which was, you know, like a $60,000 bill. Uh, so it's just all those little things that you learn and you, your due diligence list gets longer and longer, the, the more you're in the game. So 
Yeah, no, that's actually good to know and very interesting because the the parks that I'm in contract on kind of similar in that it's it's 60 percent occupied. They're actually the parks are actually operating really well at 60 percent, but mm-hmm. we don't want to keep them at 60 percent. We want to get them sure. up to you know 80, 90, 80, 90 percent. And so that's something we're looking at too. We need to make sure, yeah, there's pedestals there, but we want to make sure that we're going to be able to fill these up and it's not going to be something costly. That we want them to be able to plug in, you know, plug them in and go. Plug and play. Yeah, totally. You know, have you done uh, any looking into the MHC industry? You know, have you looked into like the toughest times the, the industry has faced? Uh, and do you have any feedback on what the future may look like for MHPs? You know, I, it's, it's part of why I like the space. Like I feel like intuitively just the, the affordability of, of the mobile home park space. I mean, there's a huge gap between like, I know what a one bedroom apartment might cost in my town and it's a lot more expensive than a mobile home park space rent 30 minutes away. And, mm-hmm. and I know they're not, you know, it's very rare that, that almost any principality is allowing new parks to come in. I mean, I've, I've heard of it. I, I know some people that are, that are doing it and trying to do it, but for the most part, they're disappearing. I mean, I've been told like 1% a year they're, they're disappearing. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it is a solution to affordable, affordable housing. I mean, most of my, most of my tenants, even though I don't, I don't know them, you know, intimately, but, but talking to my property manager, a lot of them aren't fixed income, you know, fixed income tenants. They just want a, a safe, affordable place to, to live. And, you know, either retire or raise their family if that's if that's the case. And I think that th- this allows that. And I think you know, property is only going to you know get get more expensive over over the long haul. And and this is uh, one of the solutions. Totally, totally agree with you on that. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your investment firm, you know, Hamill Investments, and you know what makes you guys different. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's not, there's not too much about it. I mean, it's me. I said I don't have any employees. Uh, you know, I mean, I honestly spend the majority of my time hanging out with my family and and traveling. You know, a lot of my business has been set up around the idea of just having uh, as much time freedom as possible. And so uh, it's why I've chose, you know, it's why I've chose not to start a property management company or manage my own properties. It's why I've chosen, you know not to raise, uh, raise money. I'm very interested in, you know, future partnerships on parks, but, um, I don't personally want the responsibility, you know, or create a job for myself. And so, uh, yeah, for for the most part, it's just a, it's a lifestyle, a lifestyle choice more than anything. And so, uh, yeah, Hamill investments, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to buy more, more mobile home parks. (laughs) You and everybody else right now, right? (laughs) It's getting, it's getting, it's getting pretty frothy. I mean, I, like I got a list of, uh, someone sent me this morning, like a list of all these off-market mobile home park deals. And I'm, it's like three caps and one of them was like uh, one cap. It said one cap, no occupancy. And I'm just like, Ugh. all right. Like this is, I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there. Um, I, I think there's still, there's always opportunities in, in real estate and in any asset class within real estate, including mobile home parks. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of opportunist uh, sellers and I've seen, you know, properties, selling that I, I wouldn't have interested in buying anywhere near the, the, the price point that they're selling for. So, um, yeah, sure. it's, it's frothy, but you gotta, gotta stick to what works. Yeah, there's for you. always, there's always deals out there. You know, you just keep your, keep your, keep your, uh, your ear to the pavement and you know, right. find deals. Uh, what, if, if any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you, uh, do you have a website they could check out or any contact information? Yeah, my website's uh, hamilinvestments.com and there's links to some different podcasts and such I've, I've been on. Um, I'm, I'm most active on Instagram. It, just find me at Gabriel Hamill or my handle is actually Gabriel R. Hamill. 
Um, but you'll find me on there. I'm fairly active with, with posting stuff and, uh, you know, I'll put, I'll put this episode on the, um, on my website and a, a link on Instagram and Facebook as well. Awesome, man. Really appreciate you doing that. What was, what would be your last bit of advice? Like your one thing you would, uh, you would want someone to know before they invested into mobile home parks. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, whether it's mobile home parks or anything else, or it's life in general. Like if you want something bad enough, like if, if mobile home parks are something that you want to buy or anything else in life that you want, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way to make it, make it happen. I mean, there are people that are just kicking ass in pretty, in any area of life. And so if that's important to you and it's something you want, go for it. It seems like you, that's one thing that resonates with you. You know, when you told us about that developer friend, you're like, Hey, this guy's doing something. I don't know how to do that, but I want to talk to this guy because there's something about it. So I I applaud you for your massive action. And uh, I'm I'm sure there's a, a bright future ahead for you, Gabriel. Oh, I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, that's it for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. All right. Thanks for having me on. Would you like to see mobile home park value add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at passive MHP investing for photos and awesome videos from our recent mobile home park acquisitions. Once again, that's at passive MHP investing on Instagram. See you there.